go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. And today, my fellow Americans, I had the opportunity to sit down and have a little conversation with Sam Winchester of the According to Sam podcast. And we talk about Ukraine and Russia and the history of NATO and the history of the geopolitical posturing and maneuvers that have been occurring uh, by all players on the world stage uh, since even back to the 80s. Um, and we talk about propaganda. We talk about how easily manipulated the masses are and how uh, effective propaganda, mind control, media manipulation, etc. Common themes on my show, I know. Uh, but me and Sam get into it uh, with respect to how uh, the wars and the lies are being sold to the people uh, about Ukraine. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, some very questionable things that some of our members of government did in Ukraine uh, while uh, waiting for then-president-elect Donald Trump to take office. And Sam's going to touch on how uh, his foreign policy was kind of set for him and he didn't really have the opportunity to uh, do what Obama had the opportunity to do uh, with this Russian reset. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit. And then, uh, you know, I hope uh, you guys enjoyed this show. Me and Sam had a great conversation, very informative, uh, educational stuff. We talk about 1984 and oligarchy and democracy and how our democracy has changed into an oligarchy over the years. I touched on that uh, in the last episode. And uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Go grab a beverage, strap on your seatbelts, sit down, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm going to take a quick break and get this Anchor commercial out of the way. And when we come back, me and Sam Winchester are going to talk about Ukraine, recent contemporary history, 1984, the effectiveness of propaganda, etc. here on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am Andrew for America, and today, uh, you know, it's a busy time of year out there, people. I got a lot going on in my life, and I'm actually going to talk about some of the stuff I'm going through right now in a future podcast, but forget about that. Uh, lots going on in Ukraine and Soviet Union. You've been, I mean, it's 24-7 in your face on the media. And uh, my good friend Sam Winchester from the According to Sam podcast has been doing uh, a series of probably, I think your last four shows were on the topic of Ukraine. Yeah. And uh, they are absolutely fantastic and informative. And if you have not listened to his show, you should go check it out immediately. Um, but I listened to Sam's last four or five episodes and I have so many questions and uh, he's, he's done a lot of great research on this topic. And so I've, I invited him on the show today 
Uh, and we're just going to kind of riff on this whole Ukraine, NATO, Atlanticism, old Russia conflict that is re-emerging here in modern day 21st century America and the world. So Sam, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, buddy. Thank you for having me. Uh, like I said, your, your shows have been uh, awesome. And the first thing I wanted to bring up today, uh, I think it was in your very last episode, uh, when you brought up, uh, I forget what year it is. I kind of want you to go over it for my listeners, but Lindsey Graham and John McCain going over to Ukraine and apparently having a conversation uh, before Trump took office with the Ukrainians, trying to cajole them into uh, an offensive conflict with Russia. Is this really, did this really happen? Is this real life? We have video of it. It absolutely happened. And uh, let's not forget Amy Klobuchar because Amy Klobuchar was also there uh, with John McCain and Lindsey Graham uh, speaking to uh, the uh, new president, Petro Poroshenko, and uh, his army encouraging them to take the fight to Russia, but not take the fight to Russia, to take the fight to the Russian speaking people in the Donbass as a proxy war against Russia. And yes, uh, John McCain, Lindsey Graham, Amy Klobuchar were there, but not we only have the video of John McCain, Lindsey Graham and Amy Klobuchar. But we also know that other representatives from the United States, Joe Biden, the CIA director under uh, Barack Obama, John Brennan, and other members of Congress, oh, yeah. both Democrats and Republicans, were going to Ukraine, encouraging the Ukrainians to antagonize the Russians and to take the war to the Russian-speaking people in Donbass. And they were doing this, ironically, at the same time Germany and France were in peace talks with Russia and the uh, representatives right. from the separatist regions in Donbass. They were in Minsk, um, uh, 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 Belarus, uh, working out the Minsk agreements and trying to negotiate peace in this region. And at the same time that Russia... Germany, France, Ukraine, and representatives from Donbass were trying to negotiate a ceasefire and peace. You have American representatives going to Ukraine and working against those peace deals, telling the Ukrainians, we're going to arm you, we're going to send you all the weapons you need to go to the Donbass and antagonize the Russians through the Russian people, speaking people in Donbass that had um, basically declared their independence from uh, Ukraine in 2014 after the coup. That is absolutely bananas to me that if that can be proven and there are representatives in government, may, maybe even namely Trump and the Trump camp, if there's a chance that that was true, and I, I know you're saying it is, and I'm just saying I have a lot little cognitive dissonance going on. I find it very hard to believe because if Trump knew that and was aware of that, how are these people not... I, so arrested that's, and, so that's, and facing jail time right now. So that's the biggest thing. And that um, that I don't understand why Trump is not uh, coming out. And the video that we have of these um, these senators in Ukraine 
uh, speaking through Amy an Amy Klobuchar, dude. She's Amy Klobuchar. She's from Minnesota. Oh, my she, God. I was just going to say, I think she's Gross. your <laughs> senator. Oh, man. Um, but the uh, the video of them speaking to uh, Poroshenko's army through a, um interpreter, it went viral just a few weeks ago. I've you know, known about this video for a few uh, years now, but it went viral. And I don't understand. Uh, Trump has said a lot about this uh, conflict in the past couple of weeks, but I don't understand why he's not more upset of the fact that this is December of 2016. He's the president elect and um, and he doesn't get the opportunity to come in and do his own foreign policy with Russia. Because we remember, and I talked about this uh, three podcasts ago, the Russian reset that Obama did in 2009 when he comes in, his Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, uh, meets in uh, Geneva with uh, Sergei Lavrov, the foreign representative from Russia, and uh, Hillary Clinton has this little fake plastic button. We want to reset our relationship. Yeah. So that was That's Obama. <laughs> yeah, but listen. So, so I mean, like, these are what world leaders are doing. Oh, hey, let's press the button together. Let's press the button, you know, and that's on. We have that on video. And, and so the <laughs> Russian the Russian reset. And I don't have any problem with them doing the Russian uh, reset. I, I believe that was the right thing to do. Yeah, to peace reset. talks. If you're talking about to, peace and you mean to, it. Yeah. To, 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 that was the point of my last podcast, to de-escalate tensions. Mature people right. would, would in, a, in a, a world where we have nuclear weapons and the potential for a nuclear conflict, mature people would try to de-escalate tensions. That's what Germany was doing and France was doing with the Minsk uh, agreements and negotiating peace. They were trying to de-escalate. De and that was the right thing to do, the Russian reset in 2009 to de-escalate tensions uh, with Russia. And that was Obama's uh, prerogative as president of the United States to, to, to do that Russian reset and and that foreign policy decision. What I'm saying is that when Trump came in and was sworn in in January of 2020, he did not have the ability to do the same foreign policy that Obama did in 2009. He was not given the leeway to uh, to have a Russian reset, to re um, to rearrange our relationship around Russia, because Russia had been so demonized because they lied and said Russia had invaded Crimea. And that was the first major thing that we have to sanction Russia because of their invasion of Crimea, which I've laid out in my show that uh, Russia did not invade Crimea. They brought their military um, out of the five bases that they have in Crimea, and they brought in some other troops there to protect the people of Crimea. And the people of Crimea, they wanted the Russians there. They voted to, uh, to be annexed uh, by Russia uh, for their own protection. Uh, so, so they weren't necessarily invaded. Quote, they were not invaded. As opposed to what the mainstream American media. Over and over you again, believe. you'll hear it. Over and over again, you'll hear that that Russia invaded Crimea. They did not invade Crimea. Uh, there was a violent coup d'etat in Kiev where the the legitimately elected president was overthrown in a violent coup where uh, 2,500 people were injured. Over 100 people were killed in that uh, coup d'etat. Russia, uh, they 
came out of their bases in Crimea to protect the people of Crimea at the behest of the Crimean people who asked Russia to protect us from these neo-Nazi groups uh, that were uh, they were basically wreaking havoc all over uh, the country because the coup d'etat had uh, taken place and there was this new government who we we put in place. We know this from the Victoria Newland phone call with the uh, ambassador that we put uh, Arseny Yakshin. We put these guys in power, these neo-Nazis in power. And um, and so where's the progressive left? Where are they? <laughs> There's so there's so where's your easy, outrage on this one left? They're so yeah. easily manipulated. Everybody but, is. Even some so of the they, stuff I've been hearing on right wing media lately has been it, questionable it, too. It's I mean, bipartisan. It's, getting, it's by it's and that's bad. and yeah. that's the thing that I wanted to to point out the fact that it is bipartisan, that that Lindsey Graham and John McCain are Republicans, but Amy Klobuchar is a Democrat. Still, you know, that just, it, it's so shocking to me that that occurred like that blew my mind when I heard that that vid, that clip you played, like just the slimy, just manipulation they're trying to run on these people was just gross to listen to. Andrew, and, I cannot believe yeah. that they that they recorded that wow. and that that video. I mean, like, so the phone call that we have with Victoria Victoria Newland and the ambassador that was a leaked phone call, a bugged That's phone call. But I don't that know too. who put. Oh, I don't know who put this video out. I and it, like they're proud of the fact that they're going over, and then. I like the fact that that Lindsey Graham says we'll go back to the United States and push the message. <laughs> That's pretty telling. What does that mean? And here we're we are. Go, we're going to go push the propaganda. So the first thing that Russia did to really start it to um, um, allow themselves to be demonized by the West in the world community was the accusation that they annexed Crimea. Oh, yeah. That was and then. And then the and then the next the next really big thing that Russia was accused of that um, that kind of uh, added to this isolation and more sanctions was the 2016 election where Russia is framed and lied and said that Russia um, interfered in the 2016 election. And that's why that's the only reason that Donald Trump was elected is because of, of Russian interference. So uh, <laughs> we got to further demonize right, Russia. Right. Uh, we have more reasons to sanction them now um, after Crimea. Now they've interfered with our election. Sounds and like dialectical thinking right there it's very very what they did when you look at it mapped out and that's why i'm trying to do this on my podcast is i mean i go from the cozy relationship from the russian reset in 2009 to obama telling mitt romney the 1980s called and they want their foreign policy <laughs> back to obama uh with the at the hot mic uh with uh oh, met, met, more met, flexibility met, i have more flexibility after my election so in in 2012 there was a cozy relationship not a relationship of enmity between the uh, United States government and Russia and what happened in the summer of 2013 to change that relationship. And I point out that that was Syria and the the um, oh. conflict in Syria. Speaking that of that. So speaking of that, so you've mm -hmm. kind of brought up a couple of things that I noticed 
and I want to, I, I'm sure you clearly already know this, but I just want to point it out because correct me if I'm wrong. Let me get this right. Based on your research and some of the stuff that I've read and looked at during Obama's administration, chronologically speaking, is there, do you believe there is or is not a chance that Obama, the Obama administration was simultaneously funding Al-Qaeda, ISIS, neo-Nazis in Ukraine, and the Free Syrian Army? Absolutely. So, so the Free Syrian, the Free Syrian, so um, the Free Syrian Army had comprised in the Free Syrian Army, you had Sunni separatists from uh, Syria that made up the uh, the rebel force that is that is fighting against Assad, who is Alawite and Shia Muslim. So this this um, conflict between Sunni and and Shia Muslims goes back to the seventh century. Um, they've been fighting each other. So um, the conflict in Yemen. Um, has to do with Sunni and Shia Muslims. Um, in Iraq, Sunni and Shia Muslims. In um, uh, Syria, uh, it was Sunni Muslims fighting against the Alawites who are Shia. So the Free Syrian Army was made up of Sunni. So let me explain this to you. So we went into Iraq. Jesus. In Iraq, the, the ruling uh, party under Saddam Hussein was the Ba'ath Party, which were Sunni. The majority of the people in Iraq, though, are Shia Muslims. So right, the the right. minority, the the minority Sunni, the Ba'ath Party, were controlling uh, the majority in Iraq. We go in, we topple uh, the the uh, Saddam Hussein regime, and the we have the elections, and the Shia uh, come to power, and the Shia they start basically disenfranchising the Sunni who had ruled over them within the Ba'ath Party. The insurgency happens. Then, and after the 2006 election, George Bush loses, then he, what's the term that they use where he got a schlacking? That that was the term. He got a schlacking. And that's when Nancy Pelosi first becomes Speaker of the House in in 2007. Uh, Republicans lose all of Congress. And at that time in in 2007, when the new Congress comes to power and George Bush loses in the congressional elections in 2006, he blames his defense secretary for all of the troubles that are going on in Iraq. All the Americans died. So he Donald Rumsfeld basically resigns and George Bush brings on his fa- his father's CIA director. Bob Gates was uh, was Bush's George W. Bush's father, George H. W. Bush's CIA director, Robert Gates, Bob Gates who actually ran Iran-Contra, Bob Gates. So uh, he comes in as the new defense secretary, and the new policy is surge in Iraq. So they send more troops to Iraq under General David Petraeus. So when we send more troops to Iraq, the Sunni are overwhelmed in Iraq. And a lot of those Sunni rebels that we were fighting in Iraq, they flee into Syria. They go into Syria, and they join the FSA. Okay, so you already have these Sunni Muslims that are fighting Assad 
in um, in Syria. And then you have these Sunni Muslims that are disenfranchised moving from Iraq into Syria. And then you have members of Al-Nusra Front, which were declared a terrorist terrorist group by the United States, joining the FSA. And then you have Al-Qaeda coming and joining the FSA. So it's all of these Sunni Muslims that are joining the FSA. But but a lot of these groups have uh, I mean, the one thing that they have in common is they're Sunni and they're fighting against the Shia, but they have some variance in their ideologies. And Obama in 2013, he decides that he is going to send weapons and fund the Free Syrian Army. But at the same time that he's uh, sending weapons to the Free Syrian Army, he's also sending weapons to these Sunni separatist groups that have moved out of Iraq, these uh, Al Qaeda, Al Nusra. So he's, he's basically he's basically creating his own demand. It is it is the Hegelian dialectic. It's like controlling the conflict. We need to have an enemy. And out of this conflict, we're going to sell a bunch of propaganda and we're going to achieve a bunch of goals that weren't publicized. And the story that you're getting, it's like on my show, I talk about the show and the reality. What you see on your screen is the show. But what's really going on in real life, that's the reality. Yeah, it's the reality. And the funny thing about it and the funny thing about it is that, okay, so while you're there in 2013, and you make these ac- accusations, everybody's calling you, oh, that's conspiracy. It's a conspiracy theorist. But now, <laughs> but now we are eight years removed and it's a fact. I mean, it's established. Nobody, I mean, you wouldn't call me a conspiracy uh, theorist now if I say that, if that if I say Obama basically funded the rebels that would become ISIS. It's it's I mean, it's a fact of the matter now. But <laughs> Sorry. When, back back in 2013. They were saying that it was a conspiracy theory and Obama actually absolutely ISIS started in Syria. It started with people who we funded from the FSA. That's how ISIS started. And then once ISIS was this big army in Syria, uh, we all remember the pictures of the caravans of Toyota trucks coming back into Iraq. They take over Mosul. They take over Iraq. So the qu- answer to your question, yes, it took me a long time to uh, to lay it out. But absolutely, okay. at, the, at the same time that the Obama administration was sending weapons and funding what would become ISIS in Syria, he was also sending weapons and funding the uh, Nazis, the Azov Battalion, and uh, these other Nazi groups in Ukraine. That's 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 that reminds me of uh, Dave Smith has this line on the intro of his podcast. It says, "If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now." Exactly. <laughs> now that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's he. I mean, you can't take that away from him. He got that right. Um. Let me ask you this. So I want to read this to you. So just I have some interesting thoughts on this Zelensky guy. And just and this is coming from a place of absolutely no uh, education or research. I just from what I've seen from him on TV and hearing the stories about him being an actor and it just it it feels very wag the dog to me with this guy. And it feels very like this is the scapegoat. This is you know, that controlled conflict well, uh, uh, theory again. Well, you know? Andrew, the, the terms that that Russia has laid out for him to accept and end the bloodshed in this country are extremely reasonable. Oh, they, yeah. They're, 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 bas- yep. 
they're basically just uh, <laughs> yeah. recognizing the status quo. He's already said that they're not going to uh, to join uh, NATO. So, I mean, put that aside. So the the points of contention are really uh, for Zelensky are recognizing the independence of the Donbass region and Crimea, which I mean, these these regions have been independent for eight years now, almost a decade. And Crimea has been annexed by Russia. Um, I mean, so just recognizing this, but the thing is, is they had the opportunity to recognize uh, the, um, the, I mean, not not even the independence. They were going, they, in the Minsk agreements, they agreed that uh, Donbass would not be part of Russia. They would remain part of Ukraine, but they would govern themselves as an independent region. They agreed to that in, in Minsk too. Um, so, I mean, for Zelensky just to codify that in the Constitution and make it legitimate now, he could end this, I mean, immediately. Why is he not doing that? And why is the Biden administration continuing to send them weapons so they can get their people killed and continuing to escalate the conflict? Why is Joe Biden not using his influence to tell uh, Zelensky, hey, make peace, accept these very reasonable terms? And that's a question that every American needs to ask themselves. Um, especially when you consider that we have video of senators going over to Ukraine and encouraging them to go on I mean, offense and to exclude. Is the Biden administration right now doing that? Is the Biden administration encouraging them to keep up the fight? And if that's the case, it's very irresponsible. Well, I mean, just that story that going back to uh Trump being president-elect and, and Lindsey Graham and Klobuchar and them going over there. Just the storyline and the chronology from there until where we are right now. How is that not the story on every mainstream media news show? How is that not the lead story about how these people went over and negotiated foreign policy before Trump even took office? It was, it seems like a shady move from, you know what I mean? It seems, seems like, like a treasonous, man, like... Man court martial level move and it's not the main story it's a huge scandal i don't get it this is such a huge scandal Lindsay. so in 2016 so let's go so in 2008 john mccain ran for president john mccain ran for president he was rejected by the electorate nobody wanted john mccain's foreign policy amy klobuchar and Lindsey Graham both ran for president in 2016. They were both rejected. Nobody wanted their foreign policy. Right. People people yeah. voted for uh, for Donald Trump and they wanted Donald Trump's foreign policy. And Donald Trump was not allowed to do his foreign policy because uh, Donald Trump, as soon as he gets into office, he's forced to take this. Uh, antagonizing stance towards Russia because they're accusing him of being a Russian. They're accusing him of only it's so uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. The it's only so reason. So, so the Russia gate narrative, uh, I mean, it started immediately after D Donald Trump is sworn in. I mean, a few weeks after that, uh, they're accusing his um, his um, 
um, National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. They're accusing um, his um, um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions of, I mean, Jeff Sessions, he was a senator and then he becomes the Attorney General and they accuse him of meeting with Russians as a senator. <laughs> so th the point I'm making is that as soon as Trump comes in, he doesn't get the opportunity to have the same Russian reset and to reset the relationship that uh, the same uh, thing that Obama did in 2009. He doesn't get to make his own foreign policy because he's being forced by the intelligence community and the media to take a hard stance uh, with Russia, because if he does anything in the in the way of trying to make peace with Russia, then we're going to accuse you. That's more evidence that you're with the Russians. And they had already started the uh, the special counsel um, accusing this guy of being a Russian. He did not have the ability to make peace. He had to keep up the antagonizing stance towards Russia because if he did, did anything to make peace, they were going to accuse him of being working, being in cahoots with Putin. The exact thing they're doing right now, you know, they're doing that right now, accusing him. Sounds, of being I mean, these are the methods of empire, right? Like sure. this is how it goes when you're playing in that, in those, in the big club, you know, I, I think I said it once. It's like literally game of Thrones and house of cards. Like that's really <laughs> like, you're never safe when you're, you know, in, in these groups of people that are trying to control and manipulate and take over. And I mean, it's just crazy here. Let me read this. I want to read this to you real quick. Uh, right, so th right. this is a tweet by Matt Walsh. And uh, he said, Zelensky is trying to drag us into a world war that will result in thousands of our sons and daughters dying horrible deaths. And yet so many of you fawn over him. You won't even think critically about what he's actually asking for and what it would mean for us. It's pathetic. Your thoughts. So, I, I get that. And um, I... I mean, Zelensky, I, I had a, uh, somebody tell me that he's like the new Michael Avenatti. And you remember when Michael <laughs> Avenatti came out that everybody was saying, you know, um, you could be the next president. You can run for president. And now um, he's been, got some airtime. Yeah. So he's been uh, convicted of, you know, robbing his uh, client, uh, Stormy Daniels, and basically uh, stealing a bunch of money. He's totally been defamed. But at the time when. He's going against uh, a Trump as the lawyer for St Stormy Daniels. He was on every TV show. Uh, oh, yeah. He was, you know, the, the media, media the media darling. And mm -hmm. now he's totally been defamed. And I kind of see the same uh, thing in Zelensky. He's the media darling right now. And um, who knows where that's going to go. But I don't blame Zelensky uh, so much for his expectations, Andrew, because I think that the people like John McCain, Lindsey Graham, Amy Klobuchar, Joe Biden, Victoria Nuland, um, John Brennan, the American representatives who went over there, I think that they set these expectations for Zelensky. I think that they made Zelensky mm -hmm. and the Ukrainian people believe that we that we would defend them militarily if they continue to an antagonize Russia 
at our behest. We're going over there. We're telling them we're going to keep sending you weapons. We're going to continue to uh, to make sure you have everything you need to go and antagonize the Russians in the Donbass. And I think that in doing that, that the Ukrainians actually believe that the United States has our back. And if Russia ever acts on us antagonizing them at the behest of the United States, that the United States will have our back and will come in and defend us and militarily, not just send us weapons to get our people killed, that they will come in and they will actually fight for us. And that's not going to happen. And, and people are calling war. for it. It's just a proxy there. They're, and that's the thing we're using them. And I can't honestly, um, I've, I've heard some things from Zelensky that uh, that that show that he's disheartened uh, in in what uh, the reality is, because he believed there would be more of a um, intervention intervention from the West and the United States than than what we're doing. And all we're doing is sending them more weapons. And as I explained in my last podcast, you know, we can continue sending them as many weapons as we want. Um, and just continue escalating this, you're going to be getting a lot of people killed. You're going to be getting Russian. They're going to kill some Russians. A lot of Ukrainians are going to be killed in this proxy war. But, Sometimes I uh, wonder if that's always part of the plan, just a little bit. Oh, more people are going to die. Oh, darn. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It. I mean, but the only, the only real weapon that the West has in all of this is the propaganda and and to get as many americans powerful weapon it's a huge weapon to get as many americans as they can to buy the propaganda and uh it seems to be working really well um i'm doing my Despite best our best efforts i'm doing my best andrew so am i man so i'm doing I. my best uh to add the context that the media i just talk i talk about this little sorry i i talk about this a little bit on my uh just came out today democracy in america mm -hmm. i talk about how just lazy apathetic like we got to wake up people like we continue to fall for this shit time and time and time and time again. And it's just, it makes me just. And they're, and they're basically, <laughs> and they're basically to, to push the propaganda. They, they have to uh, make you malleable uh, where they can, where they can shape your opinions. Yep. And the way you. that they, and the way that they do that is through your emotions. And you can see the reports, uh, how they're just tugging on people's heartstrings, you know, and just showing, uh, you know, pictures of civilians that have, uh, you know, been displaced, uh, civilians that have been um, hurt uh, by this. And, and and of course, people feel bad for uh, these people that they're seeing. And, 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 and if you have a heart, you should have an emotional response to it. But to not have any context to that emotional response, that's how you're being uh, manipulated. If you're just oh, yeah. starting to count casualties and people that have been hurt in this war three, four weeks ago when Russia invaded Ukraine, that's not honest. This, this war has been going on for eight years. 14,000 people have been killed in Donbass with our weapons that we've been supplied. What about those people? Where, we, where was your emotion and your, and your heartfelt sympathy for uh for people that are suffering see and that's the thing i mean americans don't really even know about 
the Russian people, Russian speaking people of Ukraine and and what they've suffered over the last eight years. Now, the one example is this damming of this river of fresh water to Crimea that immediately after uh, Russia annexed Crimea, there is a river that streams down to Crimea from uh, the Ukrainian mainland. And just out of spite, the Nazis that had taken over in Ukraine damned this river so the people in Crimea can't get fresh water. What kind of people do that? You know, those are the people that you're supporting, the people that are not allowing fresh water to get to the people that need it. And it's one of those unfortunate uh, aspects of human nature. Like I always talk about, we'll, like, we, we will never act perfectly. We will make mistake after mistake after mistake yeah, for so, eternity. So that's the thing that so most of these people that are in support, rah, rah, and there's a lot uh, on the on the right. But uh, I think that there's a lot of uh, more skepticism on the right than on the left. I just really think that uh the left has eaten this all up because they bought Russiagate and the fact that Russia made Donald Trump president. So they were able for over, you know, the last eight years to really demonize uh, Putin in the eyes of the left, even like like Julian Assange, like when Julian Assange was uh, first blowing the whistle on George Bush and his war crimes in Iraq, the left loved Julian Assange. They loved him. But as soon as Julian Assange put out uh, the DNC and Hillary Clinton's emails, then, oh, we don't, uh, Julian Assange is our enemy now, you know, because, so that's the way they think. So obvious. So um, the left has uh, really um, eaten up the propaganda and, and, and they, are the ones who are really for some of them like are, are really pushing uh for the no-fly zone and for us to have boots on the ground and 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 really uh have an, an increased involvement in what's going on in ukraine and the funny thing about that is that we have been told over and over again uh, about how white supremacy in the United States is our, the biggest problem. And these people, these white supremacist Republicans, that uh, they fear a pluralistic society of, of different ethnicity, ethnicities and different cultures, that they only want a white culture and, uh, and they just want a homogenized society of white people. That's all they want. And then you look at what's really going on in Ukraine. The Russian-speaking people are an ethnic minority in Ukraine. Uh, the the white nationalist Nazis that are that are basically in charge in Ukraine after the coup d'état, they don't want a pluralistic society. They don't want to respect the rights of the ethnic minority who are the Russian speaking people. They want a homogenized society of white Ukrainian people. And the people that are supporting that are the liberal left. Do you not see the hypocrisy in that? <laughs> it's like, it's, it, it really, all of this stuff makes me think like everything is the opposite. So everything you're being told, chances are the opposite is what's true. So we're at with the media is demonizing Putin. Right. And I was going to bring this up earlier because I'm kind of getting this vibe when you kind of pull back the veil a little bit and you start to 
learn about the history and you do the research, the extensive research like you've done, you come to this conclusion almost where for a moment I was thinking to myself, you know, NATO and Atlanticism was originally intended to be in direct conflict with the Soviet Union, with Russia. Absolutely. And now, and now that this is all coming back and, you know, people are asking, can you blame Putin for looking at this true buildup and this uh, propaganda campaign against uh, what's going on in these countries that border, you know, all the way up his border, basically, for in Eastern Europe with, mm-hmm. with Western Europe. And it's like, is Putin actually a hero? I, I know that's controversial, but is he actually fighting the good fight? Is he fighting the quote unquote globalists that are trying to get a foothold in Ukraine? Uh, in a previous podcast, I brought up uh, Nathaniel Rothschild allegedly commenting on how important Ukraine was to the big club's big plan. What do you think about that? So when NATO um, absolutely was uh, created as a um, as a block of nations to uh, to combat it, the Soviet Union, but after NATO was created the Soviet Union created their own pact with Eastern nations, and that was called the Warsaw Pact. And so you had two different pacts. You had NATO and you had the Warsaw Pact. Um, Germany in the 1990s was the real point of contention because you remember uh, we had the, the Berlin Wall and Germany was split in half after World War II. Um, Russia and the Soviet Union had the eastern part of Germany and the west had the western part of Germany and it was separated by the wall. Um, Reagan goes over there, uh, Gorbachev tear down this wall, the wall is torn down, um, and Germany is basically one nation again. Still not part of uh, Russia, still not part of the Warsaw, I mean, still not part of uh, the Warsaw Pact or NATO, uh, basically not united to either one of these facts. In the 1990s, Germany and NATO they want to bring uh, Germany in to NATO and Russia is negotiating um, and saying, you know, well, we want to bring them into the Warsaw Pact. And there are some uh, Germans who want it uh, to join the Warsaw Pact and have more of an allegiance with Russia. And there were uh, Germans that wanted to be part of NATO. George Bush and his administration and this is in all of their minutes and notes as they're negotiation, negotiating, they make uh, an agreement with Russia that if Russia dissolves the Warsaw Pact, which is no more today because they dissolved it, that if they dissolve the Warsaw Pact and allow Germany to be part of NATO, that no other Western countries would join uh, or Eastern countries that were bordering uh, Russia at that time would join NATO and um, the United States went back on that agreement and accepted another dozen or so nations that bordered uh, Russia after yeah, that deal that was made. More in, have been in, added or something. 14 yeah. more were added after they told Russia that if they dissolved the Warsaw Pact that uh, that they wouldn't expand uh, NATO uh, further east and they actually did. But the thing that we asked about 
Putin being a hero and is is Putin a hero? If you look at, I don't, I'm not saying I agree. I mean, I mean that. I'm just. Let me tell you my point of view on this and how okay. and how it relates to what's going on in, in Ukraine right now because the Minsk agreements that were negotiated with uh, Germany, France, Ukraine, Russia, and the separatists uh, from Donbass. Um, I mean, there's really nothing in those agreements about NATO that is a huge point of contention for Russia. The majority of the issues that are negotiated in Minsk have to do with recognizing the independence and stopping the war in the Donbass of a ceasefire. Putin's not even saying that that NATO is the big issue for him. The big issue for him is protecting these Russian-speaking minority, this Russian-speaking minority in Donbass that uh, the Azov Battalion are using American weapons to basically commit ethnic cleansing. So, um, like I said in my podcast, that these people, they voted to declare their independence after the coup d'etat in 2014. And why oh, yeah. wouldn't they? And why wouldn't they? Because that's the why I focused on that's why I focused on that part on my on Ukraine uh, episode is I wanted to hammer that home that these people were courageous citizens who wanted independence. What does that sound like to you? They were exactly. trying to create a republic. Exactly. And and I, I read what does that, that sound like to you? Like, Sounds like a lot I, like America. Like I did it in two pod or my last the podcast before the last. I even read okay. the Declaration of Independence. And I it loved says it. I loved whenever, it. whenever a government comes, so it says life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that these are in unalienable rights. And whenever a government becomes destructive to those ends, it is the right of the people to separate from that government and establish a new government. So let me ask you a question. Is banning your native language a, a destructive to your ability to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Because that's the very first thing that Arseni Yuxinyuk did when they when we put them in power they passed legislation to ban the russian language and it was basically fighting words you're saying you're basically saying all right well fight us or you know that that, that's your only alternative like yeah i mean you try to you try to ban my language the language that i communicate in that's my culture that's everything you know so uh these people the people in crimea that voted to be annexed by Russia and the people in Donbass that voted uh, uh, to be independent after the violent coup d'etat in Kiev, they didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I want to be independent and I want to be part of Russia. No, this, this violent Nazi government that we put in power in Kiev, the very first thing they did is they passed legislation to outlaw their language. <laughs> after the I mean, violent coup. Like movie stuff it's like reality like it's the best movie i've ever seen after the violent coup they not only they just staged the violent coup but after staging the violent coup they passed legislation to outlaw the native language of the ethnic minority in their country what do you expect these people to do so seriously so going going back going back to putin putin is he is protecting the ethnic minority in ukraine and and people ask who do i stand for i stand for the ethnic minority in ukraine i stand for it's a moral act i don't i don't 
You yeah, know? he's absolutely right. I don't stand for, for Putin and Russia and what they're doing. I stand for the the ethnic minority in Ukraine, the people of Crimea, the people of Donbass. And Putin stands and he's actually fighting for those people. So by happenstance, me and Putin are on the same side because I, I support that ethnic minority and Putin's supporting that ethnic minority. So, I mean, by happenstance, we're on the same side. Interesting. It's, you know, and I wonder, so again, I'm, I'm trying, man, I'm trying to get off the progressive left. I really am. But in this very specific situation, where are you at? Where, where are, you? are you? You brought up a word earlier, hypocrites. Everything that my government and media tells me is so laden in hypocrisy and manipulation that It just boggles my mind that there are still adults amongst us in this country that are just literally plugged in, walking around, no concept of anything that's going on around them. Just, And that's why the propaganda tool is so effective, because you're being manipulated when you don't even know it. It's like, how do you know what's happening to you if you're not aware of it? And it's just terrifying that there are a few of us who can see it and we can scream it from the rooftops. We can do a thousand episodes of podcasts and what kind of dent are we really making? And uh, th- you know, I, that's no excuse to give up. I'm going to keep pushing. I mean, For sure. like you said it gives us purpose. Uh, this is what I feel like is part of a purpose of my life. I'm going to scream it from the rooftops until you people get it. <laughs> and yeah. It's just, I want to read this real quick. I got a couple, I want to read a couple little quotes that just this entire situation kind of makes me think about. And this is from Terrence McKenna, uh, psychedelic uh, pioneer, Terrence McKenna. Quote, reclaim your mind and get it out of the hands of the cultural engineers who want to turn you into a half-baked moron consuming all this trash that's being manufactured out of the bones of a dying world, unquote. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) That's what this stuff makes me think of. It's like, you know, uh, I forget the quote, but uh, a dying society uh, accumulates laws like a dying man accumulates remedies. Mm-hmm. And this just goes back to our previous conversation about having the unique perspective of a Gen Xer watching this new world come into being. And it is looking like a new dark age. Oh, absolutely. It really is. Um, for me, I mean, I just I just keep going back to 1984 because I mean, first of all, I love that book. I think that uh, I think that Orwell is just so brilliant. And and, I mean, it's not even that big of a book, Andrew. It's this little tiny book, but it's so powerful. I mean, the concepts that that he's laying out there. I mean, in the beginning of the book, the two minute hate, you know, where uh, everybody uh, gets together and, and they have this like two minutes to just like hate on Emmanuel Goldstein, who is this Emmanuel Goldstein is essentially Putin, you know, or, or whoever, whoever the monster is that we've set up. I mean, it, it was Trump uh, for four years and now it's Putin. He's the Emmanuel Goldstein. And 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 we we don't really even understand why we hate it. 
but we just know that we have to express this two minutes of hate and we have to make sure that everybody around us understands that that we are expressing this this hate with them so we're in we're in their group no matter what's going on in your mind uh, cognitively or uh, understanding the nuances and and uh, the uh, the context behind what's going on. No, it's just these are the emotions that are given to you by the party and they're targeted at in the beginning of uh, 1984 at Eurasia. And then at the end of the book, it's East Asia, and we've always been at war with East Asia. It doesn't even always. matter. Who, it doesn't even matter who the enemy is. That this enemy is given to you and told to you, this is your enemy, and you express the two minutes of hate, you know, every morning because that's what the party tells you that you have to do. And if you don't do it, then you'll be accused of being a. Uh, a conspirer well you'll be accused of being a traitor or conspiring with the enemy like they're doing to tulsi gabbard like they're doing to tucker carlson like they're doing to anyone who expresses an opinion outside of the of the orthodoxy like they did in Um, nazi germany like they did in stalin's russia like they've done everywhere for sure so and then it's happening here in in america it's just really um, I mean, it shows that, yes, we're in the new world. It's a, it's a new age. And um, they were calling for Tucker Carlson to be arrested <laughs> on The View this week because of his uh, commentary on Russia because he is, uh, and, and Ukraine, because he is uh, expressing a point of view that goes against the orthodoxy. Yeah, it's truly Orwellian, uh, 100%. Um, it's, I mean, it's actually mesmerizing when you're on the outside, like we are looking at it happening. And um, I can totally see how 50 to a hundred years from now that this society looks very much like the society in Oceania in 1984. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about, uh, I got to be honest with you with a lot of the stuff that's been going on in my life lately and just thinking about the stuff and trying to, create a plan for the future. Uh, my plans have changed quite a bit oh, for sure. And um, being confronted with that, even when you're aware of it and you saw it coming is not easy. No, it's and, not, it's not. and for the people out there that I, I, I continue to say on my show, if you're not aware of it, uh, Matt from the great deception podcast, who loves your show, by the way, uh, he had this great analogy where he said, it's just going to, it's this big tidal wave that's just going to sweep across humanity. And if you're not aware of what's happening, you're going to get swept up in it. And part of me wonders when I think about that philosophical deep concept, when I take, when I try to break it down, it makes me think like, is it better? Is, is ignorance being bliss better and just getting hit in the face with it when it slaps you in the face more is that better compared to the slow, uh, you know, Chinese water torture of gaining wisdom and knowledge on the reality of things? And it just gets more and more validating to you over time. And then it's like, you know, you, you almost have to find a way to separate yourself from it and, and find the positive and the good and the silver lining in society. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to do. And I think that's where a lot of this mental illness is coming from. People are losing their marbles out there and it's getting more and more apparent by the day. And 
I don't know what we do about it, man. I don't know so, what we do about it. Well, you're talking about, and I came up with this concept and it, and you love the movie, the matrix. And um, it, this concept <clears throat> comes from the movie, the matrix, but it's called the cypher dilemma. Do you remember the, uh, the guy cypher from, mm -hmm. uh, from uh, the matrix? He wants to get put back in. He wants to taste he wants to get put, in and he, drink he fine to, wine. Yeah. And he says, take my memory away. He says that if, if I would have known the reality of that red and blue pill, when Morpheus, uh, when he first introduced it yep. to me, we would have told him to shove that red pill up his yep. ass. I would have Great told him, analogy. I don't want to have anything to do with that red pill. Fantastic and, and then, and, and then Cypher, and then Cypher says, you know, if I would have known the reality, you know, I would have just taken the blue pill and I would have just been, you know, ignorant, like everyone and just gone with the flow. And then when he's making the deal with the Smiths, he says, I want you to put me back in the matrix. I want you to erase my memory. I want to go back to being one of these ignorant saps that, that doesn't realize what the real that I will find more joy in 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 that and not the real world. Even though that I know the that the the this this world that I'm in right now is fake and the steak that I'm eating is not real and that it's all fake around me. I'd rather be in the fake than in the reality because the reality. So some people are like cipher, you know. Yeah. Some people have that cipher uh, dilemma. Um, I understand where you're coming from and, and asking that question. It's, it's a profound question. Is it just better just to, you know, be one of the cogs and, you know, well, I, could, yeah, I couldn't I, do it. I couldn't. I, do it. That's what I was just going to say is that I can't do it, but I yeah. like entertaining ideas without necessarily accepting them. Aristotle, For you know sure. what I mean? Like I like to think, I like to take the, the role of the other and, yeah. and kind of, I tr I'm trying to, see more than what I already assume and know these days. And sure. I think getting back to fundamentals on certain stuff is a great way to do that and to review things that are probably more important than maybe you always remember, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so in my future podcast, like my podcast that just came out uh, today, Democracy in America, I talk about de Tocqueville's book and, what he foresaw the future of democracy in America being and what he thought the nuts and bolts of it were. And I make the argument before I talk about it, that um, kind of talking about what, when you, uh, to your point about 1984, I talk about how since the founding of this nation, we went from rule, majority rule, mob rule, the rule of the whole democracy to oligarchy. Somehow, mm -hmm. You know, take all the conspiracy theory, con, you know, conversations and all that crap out and just bring it down to the nuts and bolts of how have we in 245 years of this nation moved from connected, educated, participating in their society, citizens exercising their self-determination and their religious freedom and to today, a small group of wealthy planners we've moved basically to an oligarchical form of government. We can still say it's a democracy. I don't see it. it I don't see it anymore. And, it and, and that, not. and that book by de Tocqueville, where he brings up how he saw the future of democracy in America coming. I highly recommend you all go listen to that episode because 
it I will blew, for sure. It blew even my mind how accurate his I'm going to, prophecies. And then, and then where can I find through. where can I find Great Deception too? Where's where is he on uh, Spotify? I want to take a listen. Uh, yeah, he's to, on all of your, all of it. Spotify, uh, Apple. Okay. I'm gonna um, I'm, I'm gonna listen to uh, to that podcast. I listen well. to Matt on on uh, and he gets into some deeper stuff, mm-hmm. way more historical. Like uh, you'll like his history okay. aspects. And uh, he kind of has, he covers a lot of different topics, but it does come from, uh, you know, how many great resets have there been? Mm-hmm. Who's really in control of this world? You know, he explores. It's absolutely, some- it's absolutely an oligarchy. And I can't, and I want to tell you how I believe that it went from, we went from a democracy to an oligarchy. And it goes back to this line in the Declaration of Independence um, at the, uh, end of that paragraph where, that I was just talking about where it says when a government becomes destructive to these ends of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness is the right of the people to uh, abolish that government and establish a new government. And then it says at the end of that paragraph uh, that those who govern, govern at the consent of the governed. Right. And that word is very important, consent, because that is where... Uh, right. That is where Edward Bernays gets the word where he talks about the manufacturing and the engineering of consent. That's how we have gone from a democracy to um, an oligarchy. The, The oligarchy still governs at the consent of the population, but the ignorant population has been manipulated to give their consent to things that don't benefit them. Their their consent has been manufactured. It has been engineered and they're giving they're giving their consent to things that are detrimental to them. And and that's how we went from a democracy to an oligarchy. I support the current thing. <laughs> whatever it is. I, I support hey. the thing that's on my social media and on my mainstream media today and it's oh, going to change tomorrow and I'm going to say a bunch of stuff on social media and I'm going to come off like a big ignorant hypocrite. And I'm still going to think that I'm smart and I'm doing what everybody else is doing because everybody else is doing it. Just masses of brain dead lemming sheep walking around. (laughs) And and the thing is, and the thing is people just, they want to, they want to uh, be so they're so self-righteous. You know what I mean? So they want to, they, they they want to basically what is the word that they use when you are um when you are um you're you're basically wearing uh your righteousness on your sleeve there's a word yeah. for it and i'm drawing blank uh on it but uh no it's um it's clear than that i i can't think of yeah. the, the word for it but it's it's a, i mean that it's a, it's a way to genuflect, you know, your, uh, righteousness, um, and, and be, and to project your morality to everyone else. And, right. and it's, it's a false sense of morality, because if, if you were moral, you would have, you would have had something to say about Obama dropping all those bombs on civilians in Yemen. Exactly. If you were, if you were, if you had this higher sense of morality, you would have, take an issue with six months ago joe biden 
dropping uh, bombs on a family of 10 in Afghanistan as we leave that debacle in Afghanistan. If, If you really had this this morality that you profess, you would have had something to say when Obama, you know, killed all those people and brought slavery back to Libya. But yep. it's not a true morality. It's it's only a false sense of morality that you have that you are basically trying to project and, and wear on your sleeve so other people can see you and say, oh, this person is so moral now. He's standing up for the people of Ukraine. And, and quite frankly, to people like us, I mean, your hypocrisy, you're just dripping of hypocrisy. You know what I mean? I, I actually, I actually talked about that. I think in the audiogram I did for the Atlanticism episode, I said, you know, we dropped 337,000 bombs uh, over the course of the past five to 20 years in Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Yemen, Syria. And, and I'm like, and where's your outrage? Where I'm were like, you guys? I'm like, where were you guys? Now this whole Ukraine thing's going on. And you're and the re, here's the reason. The reason why you have an opinion on it so emotionally is because it's being spoon fed to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week in your face. And when's the last time you heard about a bomb strike in Yemen? Yeah. When's the last time you heard about a bomb strike in Syria? Where's your outrage if you are looking at the situation from a moral perspective, a non-hypocritical perspective? It's just a joke to a thinking rational person and you just completely make a fool out of yourself and discredit anything that you have to say after you portray your real thoughts to the world and that's really how you operate and i'm trying i'm trying to keep the faith sam but i'm losing hope i don't know i don't know man it's getting nutty it is getting nutty and um yeah, it's I mean, I, I I I mean, I can see how anyone could be uh, disheartened to uh, see what is going on and, and how so many people are are eating it up. Um, it's unbelievable. It, it's it's like it's it's propaganda that has been so uh, trial and error scientific methoded down to us meticulous science now it's like they can even they can even create states inside of you that they can literally probably somehow manipulate and project something deep down in your psyche to where it's like a self like once it's planted you self-perpetuate it somehow and that's that's where this it's one thing to try to get someone to think something's cool or not cool and that you know to try to sway you for or against, which is probably propaganda 101. But these days, like you said, they can make you feel like you're a good person giving back to society just because you are parroting loudly to your community and to your family predetermined talking points handcrafted for you to hear on your favorite media news outlet and however your brain processes that without any perspective and without any real intellectual curiosity, like that is terrifying. Like mind control is a real thing. And to say it's conspiracy theory and to deny MK Ultra and everything that the CIA has done is just bananas that people nah. can still refute it these days. And what gets me is, you know, and then when people do nothing more than ask questions and and try to add context to the lies in the narrative that 
they have just a a really really effective and and it's it is effective and it's simple effective. it's an effective and simple refute of people like us that are asking questions and that um people like tucker carlson or tulsi gabbard anyone who goes against the orthodoxy they have a very effective and just very simple refute and, and just say oh you're spreading russian propaganda you must be yep. one of those <laughs> labels Boom, put a you label must, on it you must be one of those russians you know you're spreading russian propaganda you uh, you must you know be on on putin's side and you're like no i'm not on putin's side or not. i mean i'm just telling <laughs> you the truth of what's going on well um that goes against uh, you know what i'm hearing from everywhere else and uh, Putin's killing uh, civilians and you're on the side of Putin just for trying to add context to, you know, what these people are being told. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it's sad because I mean, we should be, we, in this society and the way that uh, we have information at our fingertips and are able to access information. But even like uh, that is is not the case anymore. You see how they're censoring RT and um, uh, other outlets that that may not agree with the or orthodoxy. So, I mean, I don't even know that uh, the information is as available as it, it could be. But if you cared, you yeah. could definitely go out and get the information but that's why so. i'm trying to read that's why i'm trying to read more and get back into the books and you know recall the basics that we've learned in like you know both we both have sociology degrees mm -hmm. like weber's uh protestant ethic and the spirit of capitalism i really want to read that book again mm -hmm. because if, if you get even for people that do the research and do the investigation um, it's impossible not to be exposed to certain things on social media and from the mainstream media, uh, and being able to process that in the right way, I think is a, a skill we all develop over time, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things <laughs> where, I mean, if we can't, if you can't even have a conversation anymore with people in public without it going down this talking point, emotional fighting tirade of irrational thought, you know, podcasting is the only thing left. The only thing we have left that we can use to make sure, the attempt. Sure. Like, and that's why I, I hate to be doom and gloom. I hate to, I always say I'm trying to stay positive. I'm trying not to lose faith, but man, I really do feel like Carlin was right. Like they got us by the balls yeah. so much so that they can easily squash any uprising anywhere in this world at this point with the drone. You brought up Brennan before. I mean, they got the drone warfare down to a science sure. now. Like it's just video games to the militaries of the world. Now it's, yeah. it's, it, we're moving towards this fictitious digital fantasy world. It's crazy. Yeah. But the, the, I mean, you're talking about all the technology and, you know, um, military equipment they they have. I'm telling you, the propaganda is their their strongest weapon. For sure, I agree. The, the, the propaganda is stronger than any of the bombs, any of the technology, anything. It, it is a propaganda war. It's an information war, and um, I mean, and in that regard, I mean, we have this. I mean, we don't have the same. Um, we don't have the same arsenal that they do, but we, we do have, you know, 
a small part of that arsenal where, where we can go out and and we can combat the propaganda and tell the truth and and give the context and even if it's with a small audience one or two people reach you know i ask myself how many people and i've been getting a lot of uh, listens to my past uh, four podcasts uh the response has, has been really good but i don't think that many americans even knew that the crimean people voted to be part of russia and that there was an actual referendum there and that these people wanted to be part of russia i think that the majority of the people because of the propaganda think thought that russia came in with their military and forced these people to be uh, part of russia and didn't even have any of that context so that's what i try to do in my podcast to say no look these people wanted to be part of russia they had a referendum they voted up to 90 percent to be part of russia why no 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 cnn didn't tell me that sam (laughs) cnn did not tell me that well that can't be true that (laughs) That can't be true i mean i watched i caught fox today and nope don't believe it yeah and so why are they not giving you any of that context and 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 they're manipulating you and so what i'm saying is uh so obvious yeah it really i remember i remember when i talked with uh when i did the uh, Monday night master debaters. There, uh, one of the guys on the panel was. I haven't watched uh, that yet. I'm probably yeah, from uh, his name is Casey, and he has an Instagram page, uh, uh, Golden Gate Star Fort Command. He gets into all these star forts and ancient Tartaria and the ancient world, kind of like uh, Matt from the Great Deception podcast does. And he he said on that panel, he was like, "It's so in people's faces now. It's just like he was just like, I cannot believe that people don't see it, and it is baffling." Uh, to to be able to see how effective the propaganda is and i don't know if it's a blessing or a curse but i, I think there's, there's some responsibility that uh those like us uh need to take for sure uh, and i know you're gonna keep going you've been doing a great job man like you i, I like learning from you I, I feel like we're all learning from each other we're all growing Definitely. and uh eventually you know, those listens are going to increase. Like people, so. it's only, you know, it, it, what, what's that? I, I always forget who said this quote, but, you know, there's nothing more powerful in this world uh, than an idea whose time has come. Yeah. And I think that slowly but surely, maybe not in our ge- generation, but hopefully in the future generations, you know, light bulbs are f- turning on and people are going to realize that they got to get away from that mainstream media sooner or later, you would yeah. think. I mean, I it's, 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 I mean, I've done that podcast too. It's all corporate media. I mean, all the media is, I mean, and that's, that was a major part of it too, controlling the media in uh, these five companies that basically own all the media. They uh, control the message. You even look, I look at Fox news now and every single Fox news host is basically saying the exact same thing as, I mean, there's no variance in the messaging. The messaging yeah. is the same, no matter if you're lis- listening to Fox, ABC, CNN, it is all the same in the corporate media uh, world. But I want to, in let's let's wrap this up today, Andrew, and I want to do another one of these and uh, maybe next week. And I want to talk about the money and what's going on with inflation, what's going on with the Federal Reserve, and how that is also a major part of this, because uh, that's a major issue to what's going on. It's not an accident that we have 40 year high inflation. And, you know, and, and, and 
Congress is still passing, you know, trillion dollar packages that we're sending to Ukraine. Are they intentionally trying to destroy the dollar and and cash and bring in a new form of currency? And I know you have some thoughts on that. (laughs) And and, uh, I would like us to maybe get together and talk about uh, that aspect of this, because I think it's really important that, that people understand what's going on with the money and how the money is being used to also bring in this new world of control. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the topic that I think uh, you're right. We should do a show on that because um, that's going to be this wave that may or may not eventually come that you may or may not be prepared for. Uh, I think the financial aspect of it is going to be the one where once it gets to, you know, worse than 1920 or 30s, whatever, depression era America, once it gets to a point where it's, you know, en route the Venezuela inflation, sure. hyperinflation, For and sure. some other countries around the world that have experienced that recently, uh, that's when one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, wow, it's, you know, you're every, all of your luxuries and all of your ease, all of that tyranny of convenience that you needed sure. everything to be so convenient. Yeah. You know what? Well, that's Still, being on this planet, you're going to have I mean, to learn. And that's, that's, that's what, again, uh, that I like about uh, 1984, because he has all of these elements in there. He's got the war element, the the constant war. And then he's got the the four ministries, the Ministry of Truth, which is the propaganda, which we easily understand. The Ministry of Love was the, the jackboot uh, police force that's going around Oceania, making, making sure Love. that... It, the ministry of love says ministry of truth was nothing but lies. The ministry of love is nothing but tyranny. The ministry of peace is nothing but war. And then the and then the ministry of plenty. Nobody, people kind of like they don't really understand the the ministry of plenty. Plenty, but the ministry of plenty is scarcity. It's austerity, and uh, that's what's coming next. That it's not going to be plenty. It's going to be scarcity, and it's going to be austerity. That's what's coming next. And it's going to be managed by the oligarchy. And, uh, you know, and that has to do uh, with the money. But let's do another show and we'll talk about that uh, in our next uh, uh, meeting. And and we'll uh, get dive into the money, the bankers, how the bankers are managing this uh, for their own benefit. Okay, sounds good, man. Yeah, give uh, give our listeners your uh, where to find your stuff. So according to Sam podcast is anywhere that you uh, get your podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Uh, it's all one word. According to Sam uh, podcast, you can even find it on my uh, website, according to Sam dot com. And um, yeah, I do a once a week podcast. It's uh, I try to get it out uh, Tuesday evening and uh, have a new podcast every more uh, every Wednesday morning. If when you wake up, you'll find the, a, a new according to Sam podcast there. Awesome, man. And yeah, my listeners know where to find me politics and punk rock podcast.com. Go buy a t-shirt or donate to the show. Send me an email. Andrew for America, 1984 at gmail.com. If you're a band and you want to be played on the show, I've been getting a lot of people interested in that aspect of my show. So continue sending me that stuff. I love that. Um, 
I want to read more lyrics on the show too. So give me your bios and your lyrics and Sam, always a pleasure. Let's definitely do uh, currency and money. Follow the money. What is inflation show yeah. together? And we'll, we'll uh, you know, give it a week or so. So we'll have some time to, to, to think about and, and come up uh, with, you know, how we want to, uh, you know, approach uh, that uh, discussion. But I think that would be a good discussion for us to talk about. I completely agree, man. Great to see you. Thank you guys for listening. Good night. We'll see you next time. <laughs>